0: Today, I'll be speaking with Dr. Blooming and Dr. Tavris about hormone replacement therapy and why many women, including yours truly, may want to consider taking hormones as they enter menopause. This episode is the first of a two-part discussion. In part two, we'll dive more deeply into the details of why the initial findings of the Women's Health Initiative study, which derailed hormone therapy use around the world, were overly alarmist and deeply flawed. Doctors Blooming and Tavris co-authored a book called Estrogen Matters. This book has been described as a compelling defense of hormone replacement therapy, exposing the faulty science behind its fall from prominence, and empowering women to make informed decisions about their health. While our conversation focuses largely on the true risks and the true benefits of taking hormone replacement therapy, the controversy about hormone therapy is about much more than this. It's also about how science is translated, how it can be mistranslated in medical practice, and how hard it is to change our minds once a fear sets in. It's also about how our biases color our choices and the way we receive information. Dr. Avram Blooming is a hematologist and medical oncologist who has been treating women with breast cancer for over 40 years. He holds an MD from the Columbia College of Physicians and Surgeons, and has worked as a clinical professor of medicine at USC and as a senior investigator for the U.S. National Cancer Institute. Dr. Blooming has been intensively studying the benefits and risks of hormone replacement therapy administered to women with a history of breast cancer for over two decades. Dr. Kale Tavers is a renowned psychologist with a PhD in social psychology from the University of Michigan. She has dedicated much of her career to educating the public about the psychological sciences, and has received numerous awards for her efforts to promote science, skepticism, and gender equality. I discovered Dr. Tavers through another stellar book of hers called Mistakes Were Made But Not By Me. I continue to think about the cognitive biases that she vividly illustrates through her stories in this book. I feel honored to be able to sit down with these two remarkable individuals to talk about a topic that is so important to me and so many other women. Let's dig in. Welcome to Get Real Health. I'm your host, Dr. Chana Davis. This show cuts through the noise to give you science based insights from real experts so that you can make smart, healthy choices. Dr. Blooming and Dr. Tavris, thank you so much for being on the show. Our pleasure. So I have to tell you, I feel like this book that we're going to be discussing, and which I have right here, um, Estrogen Matters, I feel that this book was written for me. So I am in my mid-40s and I can see menopause coming. I'm a little bit intimidated. I'm a little bit uncertain um, and I don't know how best to navigate it. And I really want the information to help me make an informed choice about the risks and the benefits of hormone replacement therapy. So I'm thrilled that you wrote this book. Thank you for doing that. And I'm excited to share uh, the discussion with many other women and and other people that are part of the decision. So thank you for that.
1: You're welcome, Chana. Let me maybe introduce my dear friend Avram by Mm -hmm. saying that as a physician, as an oncologist, hematologist, the issues of the safety of hormone therapy for women have I've been of great interest to Avram for many years. My interest as a social psychologist has been about the politics for women Mm -hmm. on the question of whether or not to take hormones. You know, these are very different issues, but both of us come to the question of what is the safest, best, most effective approach for women. So, full disclosure, I went through menopause with no symptoms. I was one of the very few women who had no symptoms at all paid no attention to it. My mother had had no symptoms. Mm-hmm. I saw no no use for it. And as a feminist of my generation, there was kind of this notion that, oh, you know, it's kind of a male plot to give women estrogen to keep them, you know, beautiful forever, which many feminists objected to. It was patronizing and offensive. So the issue of the medical, the, the Physical safety of hormones was kind of put aside in a mm-hmm. in the notion of you know Being opposed to pharmaceutical treatments for everything. So I never took hormones and I'm embarrassed to say that I Dismissed the complaints of many women of my generation who really didn't suffer through menopause mm-hmm. So when Avram and I began discussing this we had much in common to to, to discuss as you can imagine
0: yeah, I'd love to hear a bit about your story, Avram, as well, about how you came to be so so um, you know engrossed in this topic.
2: Uh, I've been an oncologist for over four decades. Uh, breast cancer has constituted about sixty percent of my practice. When my wife was forty-five years old, she was diagnosed with breast cancer, and she had a lumpectomy and radiotherapy and chemotherapy. And at age 45, she was put into menopause. Mm -hmm. And she had night sweats and hot flashes uh, and joint pains. Uh, But what bothered her most was a foggy brain. Uh, My wife defines herself largely by her intellect, although she's got other wonderful, wonderful (laughs) characteristics. She's a voracious reader. And she found that when she was reading a book, she couldn't remember what she had read two pages back, and that drove her crazy. And she uh, told me about it, uh, and I explained that it was almost certainly, uh, but having just treated her for breast cancer, uh, the answer was you have to deal with it. Uh, I've treated many, many patients, and I've been largely responsible for inducing menopause in many women your age and slightly older. Uh, And when they would complain to me, and they did about symptoms, my reaction was usually, although I said it in as nice a way as I could, uh, we've probably cured your breast cancer, Uh, deal with it. Uh, And I didn't listen as patiently as I should have. Uh, and the patients didn't stop asking. And it wasn't just hot flashes and night sweats. Uh, It was weight gain. It was increased a girth around the abdomen. It was vaginal dryness, painful sexual intercourse, loss of sexual desire, arthritis, arthralgia, Uh, And because I saw my wife going through this, Mm -hmm. I started reading more intensively, and I found that I didn't understand most of what menopause was about. For example, I thought menopause was a relatively short transition that was characterized by night sweats and hot flashes, and you get over it, and you get on with your life. And it turns out that the symptoms of menopause Last a median of about 7.4 years. 85% of women exhibit those symptoms, and many, especially women of color, have it lasting longer than that. In addition, I found that the symptoms were the smallest part of it, that in fact, the major cause of death in women is heart disease seven times as many women die of heart disease as die of breast cancer. And when I learned that, and I spoke to physicians about that, the answer I usually got was, well, old women die of heart disease and young women die of breast cancer, so they're not as afraid of heart disease. But if you read, you find that in every decade of a woman's life, starting at age 40, her risk of dying of heart disease is greater than her risk of dying of breast cancer. And it increases, the ratio increases in every decade. Mm -hmm. Uh, If women are afraid of one thing more than the words breast cancer, it's Alzheimer's disease. And Mm -hmm. while breast cancer is curable in up to 90% of cases of recently diagnosed breast cancer, there is no cure, nor in spite of what you hear on television, is there really treatment for Alzheimer's disease? The only treatment that we have found is estrogen will decrease the risk of Alzheimer's by up to 65%. That's incredible. And Alzheimer's can go on for over 10 years. One of your particular interests, I know China, is osteoporosis and osteoporotic hip fracture. Mm -hmm. And the number of women who die of hip fracture related to osteoporosis each year in the United States is equivalent to the number who die of breast cancer. It's about Mm 40,000. And the idea that taking calcium or vitamin D in menopause in a woman who isn't on hormones is misleading. Uh, It does not decrease at all the risk of osteoporotic Mm -hmm. hip fracture. And estrogen will decrease the risk of hip fracture by up to 50% in many, many studies. I mentioned how serious heart disease is. Estrogen will decrease the risk of serious heart disease by 50%. It'll decrease the risk of Alzheimer's, I mentioned, by up to 65%. Mm -hmm. And so the biggest concern, and we can get into this a little later, It's not does estrogen do good things. It does a lot of good things. It's well. What are the harms that it does? Yeah, that's
1: exactly. Matt, let let me interrupt with one with one point here, though, if I may. Which is that many women think that estrogen just declines modestly at menopause, the way mm-hmm. testosterone does in men. You know, kind of a little gradual decline, and that that's why the, even the word hormone replacement therapy was so annoying to many women. I didn't realize until we began working on this book, estrogen doesn't decline modestly; it plummets to about one percent of what it was at a woman's full levels of estrogen. So it's really, it really is replacing estrogen. And um, the idea that estrogen is harmful is of course what has prevented many women from wanting to take hormones in menopause and beyond. But one of the fascinating things to me when Avram talked about the symptoms is this, there are so many symptoms that are associated with menopause or before menopause that begin in a woman's forties that send women to all kinds of doctors mm. to, they, they go to, to one doctor for joint pain, they go to another doctor for depression or anxiety, they go to another mm. doctor for heart palpitations, which Oprah Winfrey did. They go to a, yet another doctor for, uh, for vaginal dryness issues, not realizing that all of these symptoms are part of the same package, which is the depletion of estrogen and that's a, a fascinating and important mm-hmm. thing for women to understand because they're busy misdiagnosing themselves. Yeah. Oh, joint
0: pain, you know, I guess it's arthritis. So- Yeah, no, you're right. And when, I, and when I think about menopause, I just think about hot flashes. That's basically that the one that's the most visible or right. discussed, right? And there's-
1: mm-hmm. And hot flashes, we now know, I mean, no, of course, it's one thing if you for women
0: who have hot flashes
1: for a year or two or something, but prolonged hot flashes are a dysfunction that can be related to many things, including insomnia. Not mm-hmm. sleeping well for five years has its own consequences yeah. on a woman's health yeah. and well-being and on her family, by the way. Yes, yes. So that's another important
2: And when mission. you look at functional MRIs in women who are having a hot flash, it looks like they're frying their brain. That's a very frightening image that's been said to me. Can you imagine if men went through this, if andropause was really like menopause, and they had all of these symptoms? And we said to men, Well, deal with it. Mm -hmm. Come on, man (laughs) up. Mm Men (laughs) take testosterone just to improve their sexual performance, for God's sake.
0: It seems to me your message has, um, number one is that you're helping to raise awareness of of what menopause really is, and people are, again, they're not recognizing that some of these changes that they are um, undergoing are related to menopause. The mm-hmm. The second thing is raising awareness that these symptoms, uh, these are things that, that last a long time, and so, you know, maybe mm-hmm. if you think it's going to be over like that, you might not even bother looking into resolution. But if you yeah. if you know up front, it's going to be a mm-hmm. longer term, you might start looking into benefits. Mm-hmm. And I and I think even less appreciated, though, is what you alluded to some of these longer term um, health potential benefits of hormone therapy. That I think it's, yeah. it's not just mm-hmm. for me. I'm more interested in, in the longer term potential benefits than the immediate symptoms. Of course, I don't have the symptoms yet. I'm you know, but. I know a lot of people who went through menopause relatively easily, and and I'm less intimidated by what it might be for that that change and that experience, but what it means for your decline, particularly in, Mm -hmm. I've looked at graphs of bone density and how they, you know, it's not a coincidence that it drops, bone density typically starts to drop very rapidly after menopause. That's something I'm particularly... It's worth pointing out
2: only because osteoporosis is one of your interests that Mm -hmm. bone density is really not a great way to measure potential for hip fracture Mm -hmm. that bone density is really looking at the shell the calcium shell on bone and yet the reason women fracture their hips is because they lose the tensile strength of bone the ability of bone to stretch a little and bend without snapping Mm -hmm. and so the relation, bone density may be the best test we have, but don't be fooled into thinking that it's really giving us a good idea of how we're reducing a woman's risk of, of uh, hip mm-hmm. fracture. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I, 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 know, I, I took th- that from your book and I was surprised. It left me feeling even more frustrated that we don't have tools to better, better measure the actual risk and the sort of resilience that, that we need. Mm-hmm. Right.
1: Yeah, yeah. One of the things, you see, one of the the great messages of the book is that we have to examine this widespread belief that estrogen causes breast cancer Mm -hmm. and that it causes many other dire problems. By the year 2000, there was a medical consensus on the benefits of estrogen for women in menopause. It was known then in the year 2000. It's great likelihood of significantly reducing the risk of heart disease far more effectively than statins, reducing the risk of bone fracture, as we just said, and Alzheimer's and so forth. All of the benefits of estrogen were well known then until the Women's Health Initiative in 2002 Mm -hmm. suddenly raised this scary alarm. You know, estrogen causes breast cancer, it causes dementia, it causes stroke, it causes deaths from all causes. It was really a, dare I say, hysterical, Hmm. um, press conference about the dangers of estrogen and Avram called me up the day that that uh, press conference was held and said, have you looked at the fine print here? None of these findings for the statisticians listening, none of these findings was statistically significant, which is the bottom line before you can go into publication, let alone in a eminent medical journal, your findings have to be solid. They have to be statistically solid and they were not in the Women's Health Initiative. We have no idea why that um, the the Women's Health Initiative felt the need to be so uh, alarmist about Mm -hmm. estrogen. We don't know, people ask us this all the time, but here's the important thing that women today absolutely need to know. The Women's Health Initiative investigators themselves have walked back almost all of those early alarmist findings about estrogen, one after another. They publish in, in the Me- Me- Medical Association journals and they give talks and eminent, mm-hmm. but there are no press conferences. Mm-hmm. So many physicians to this day mm-hmm. are believing what the Women's Health Initiative said in 2002 mm-hmm. and not what they have said every year since oh, by the way, estrogen actually lowers the risk of breast cancer. It actually lowers the risk of breast cancer, actually increases longevity in women. Mm -hmm. Actually, it is the best thing to take to prevent um, osteoporosis, actually, by the way. I mean, really, these should have been national headlines, and they never were. So that's what our book tries to remedy.
0: Yeah and I think I think your your book is is great but for me it's about it really is about so much more than this question it really is about how the media and and the medical community can so often run with something mm-hmm. and how we can't take back we have such a hard time taking back a fear take once me. it's been seeded
1: Exactly right. That's that is exactly right Is it's you know as you know I wrote a book with my friend Elliot Aronson called mistakes were made, but not by me. And it, you know, the estrogen story could have been a chapter in that book on how difficult it is to say announcement, everybody, we were really wrong about this.
0: You know what, you know, what's um, interesting for me, as as someone who likes to um, promote alternatives to dairy, I'm a big I consume a lot of soy milk, and soy is an, a perfect example. There was actually a lot of hysteria around soy phytoestrogens being mm-hmm. promoting breast cancer, and oh, we got rats to get breast cancer, and yada yada. You know, three decades ago, and then now there are yeah. tons of human studies showing the exact opposite. And yet, you know, right. you see all sorts of foods labeling like proudly announcing they're soy free because people are afraid.
2: If yeah. we talk exactly. specifically about the hormones that are used in hormone replacement therapy it's worth emphasizing what Carol said, that the Women's Health Initiative, which was a $1 billion study, now has done a 19-year follow-up that was published last year, showing that women who were randomized to take estrogen alone have up to a 30% decreased risk of developing breast cancer. What they say in that, however, is that women who were randomized to take estrogen and progesterone still have an increased risk, and that's not true. And it's important to understand why it's not true. When you do a study, you take a study population and you compare them to a control population that isn't treated with the drug being studied. And in the population that got the combination of estrogen and progesterone, given only to women who still have a uterus because progesterone reduces the risk of uterine cancer in women who are getting estrogen, which can increase the risk of uterine cancer. Women who got the combination had the same risk of breast cancer as women who got estrogen alone. But I just said that estrogen shows a decrease. How is that possible? Well, they had different control groups and the control group against which the population receiving estrogen and progesterone was measured, had a lower than expected risk of developing breast cancer. Mm -hmm. And so when you compare the population against the lower than expected risk, there was a reported increased risk. Mm -hmm. And so the question is, well, why did they have a lower than expected risk? Mm -hmm. Well, among those women in the control group, Some of them had been taking estrogen before they entered into the study and were randomized to the placebo. And those women Mm. who were taking estrogen before the study had a decreased risk of breast cancer. If you eliminate those women from the control group, Mm-hmm. You see that the combination doesn't have an increased mm-hmm. risk of breast cancer mm-hmm. and the women mm-hmm. and the people who are part of the women's health initiative know that yeah. I know many of yeah. them personally yeah. I know they know that and yeah. they have never acknowledged
0: it as you know as someone who tries to help um, promote science and boost scientific literacy it's so it's this conversation is so tricky because on the one hand the last thing you want to do is diminish confidence in science and have give people sort of ammunition to say well you can't believe anything scientists say anyways i think it's really important to talk Mm -hmm. about what the special circumstances of this and what to when does this you know what are the general themes about mm-hmm. when do you, when can you really trust scientific conclusions or you know, I think trust is the wrong words but you know for me it's all about levels yeah. of confidence and and what sort of what are the attributes of a study and of a of a finding and of a of a statement that is a higher confidence one compared to a lower confidence one.
1: You know, Jonathan, this out. is this is as I was listening to Avram, I'm thinking, boy, if I'm a general listener. Yeah. You know, if I'm a woman in her mid 40s, what in the world does this mean? This means that they were doing these statistical manipulations yes. to scare exactly. us. Exactly. Exactly. what does that mean? Here's what it here's here's the takeaway. And we are at pains to say this in our book on an issue as complicated as is estrogen beneficial or harmful. You never take the results of one study, yeah. one study. What you have and that we discuss in the book in detail is a mosaic of Mm -hmm. studies, a mosaic of research that gives us the larger picture Mm -hmm. of where things stand. And we don't expect lay people to be able to read this. I couldn't do it. I mean, Avram was my translator on the medical research, Mm -hmm. of course, uh, just as I am his for the psychology research, but you know, The point is, we don't think that the Women's Health Initiative set out to be malevolent or manipulative in what they did with their research. They did some, I think, disgraceful analyses that were less than competent, let's say. I don't know their reasons, we may never know their reasons, but we explore them. And that is how science proceeds. Science doesn't always give us the answer, but it gives us the best answer for what information we have now. Mm-hmm. It means mm-hmm. that we hold that understanding and then we have to be ready to give it up if it turns out we're wrong. Mm-hmm. So the Women's Health Initiative scared a lot of people. It seemed to be a big, impressive, important study. Millions of women went off taking hormone therapy and menopause now we know better and so do many many physicians Mm -hmm. so what we do in our book is not just give you one study here there's one study showing the benefits for osteoporosis no but decades of studies many Mm -hmm. kinds of studies on many Mm -hmm. kinds of samples and that really is the beauty of science Mm -hmm. and i want to give you just one more example of this because it so impressed me when avram and i were first talking what did it take for doctors to give up doing the radical mastectomy, the disfiguring, difficult, cruel procedure of treating a woman's breast cancer by removing her breast and everything near it that they could. That practice was based on a popular idea that seemed logical and was completely wrong. It was based on the idea that cancer travels from to contiguous next door tissue. So if it's here in my breast, I have to remove the whole breast. What did it take to undo that belief? Exceptionally reliable evidence from scientific research that removing just the lump was as likely to be as effective for a woman as removing the whole breast. Can you imagine the relief for women knowing they would not have to have the whole breast removed. Obviously, mastectomy is called for in some conditions now, but for so many thousands of women not to have to have a mastectomy. And yet, if you're a doctor who has been doing radical mastectomies forever, you're gonna feel nervous the first time you don't do one, aren't you? Mm -hmm. What we're asking readers and doctors to understand in this book is that the belief that estrogen is carcinogenic is logical widely believed and just as wrong as the belief in the radical mastectomy.
0: Mm-hmm. I, mean, I think it makes a, a lot big of sense. Ask. Yeah. I think it makes a lot of sense to have, have both of you pairing up in this book because there is so much of it is about how we think about risk, you know, we, and how we overestimate and, and place more emphasis on like breast cancer. People worry more breast, breast cancer because it's more visible mm-hmm. and, and rather than heart disease, which is actually a, a greater risk. Mm-hmm. And, so, and then there's the question that we should maybe touch on a little bit um, on absolute versus relative risk being um, how risks are presented in the media can give us and yes. and we can ingest them in a way that's not really accurate and, and our emotional reaction to them is not is not rational.
1: Exactly. You, you know, Shanna, both of us have gotten letters from women who commit what we call the cause and effect mistake mm-hmm. in reasoning. If A comes before B, A must have caused B. So mm-hmm. Avram recently got a letter from a woman saying well, I got breast cancer, but it was because I was taking the birth control pill for so, for so long. Yes. A woman I know said, you know, I took hormone therapy in, in menopause and I got breast cancer. So the, the hormones clearly caused the cancer. Yes. What they're yes. not seeing are the millions and millions of women who are on birth control pill or who have taken hormones and have not gotten breast mm-hmm. cancer. They want an explanation that seems yes. logical and clear yes. for something they do.
2: Yes. The overwhelming number of women who develop breast cancer never took contraceptives, never took hormone replacement therapy. Mm -hmm. And in fact, women who are diagnosed with breast cancer while taking hormones have a better prognosis stage for stage than women who are diagnosed not taking hormones. Mm -hmm. And just to follow up, Carol was talking to a woman she met who blamed the breast cancer she had on her hormones. And Carol, thinking she was going to do a good thing, said to the woman, (laughs) put your mind at ease. You didn't cause your breast cancer by taking the hormones. And the woman said to Carol, don't you understand? I want to blame the hormones. And that helps me know that I will never get it again. If I don't take Mm. the hormones. Yes. Well, we understand that
1: but it's wrong and you know so many women are now surviving breast cancer and are then at risk of dying of heart disease that there is a new specialty of cardio oncology with extensive and fascinating research on the benefits of hormone therapy for women who have had breast cancer this is Avram's own research many other studies like this are going on have have gone on now they're yeah. they they can not be done um and that's an eye-opener even women with the BRCA gene who have their breasts and ovaries removed so as not to uh not to get breast cancer can be given add back estrogen to avoid mm-hmm. the symptoms of menopause mm-hmm. isn't this fabulous information for women's health
0: yeah and there's an example from your book on this cause and effect point that I that I love where you said um, I received a letter saying, you know, my friend got breast cancer and I know mm-hmm. she took hormone replacement therapy Therefore, I will never take it and you said well, what mm-hmm. about the coffee? She drank every day is is are you gonna blame that? It's
1: <laughs> right. Yep. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah
0: I actually have I actually have a friend who I need to share this book with who um, had breast cancer recently and uh, she's, she survived and she was explaining to me that she's experiencing some symptoms that to me sound. she said abdominal weight gain. And that, and I wondered if it's related to basically inducing menopause.
2: There were now 18 studies that are published in the medical literature, 18 of uh, women who took hormone replacement therapy after a a diagnosis of successfully treated breast cancer, Mm -hmm. 17 of the 18, show no increased risk of recurrence and that includes women who are BRCA positive there's Mm -hmm. even a study of pregnancy in women who are BRCA positive who had er positive tumors Mm -hmm. and pregnancy had no effect on recurrence Uh, and yet most people are unaware of those studies three of them are prospective randomized controlled studies the one study that showed a small increased risk did not show an increased risk of dying of breast cancer, did not show an increased risk of uh, recurrence among women who had lymph node positive breast cancer. In fact, the increased risk of recurrence was very small and was seen only among women who also took tamoxifen, and I can't explain why that's the case, Mm -hmm. and yet that one study is the only one that's cited by many physicians. The other 17 studies are ignored. Yeah. And that's a pity, um,
0: right? I think I think misinformation are just making me think about um, this. This this one is particularly sticky and the same thing with soy and mm-hmm. phytoestrogens because people mm-hmm. have this mechanism and that they think it makes perfect sense. But it's overly simplistic.
1: Mm-hmm. It, it
2: absolutely find is that the purpose of science is not to prove your theory right. It's to prove mm-hmm. your theory wrong. Yes. It's called the null yeah. hypothesis. And if in yeah. spite of all of your yeah. efforts, you're unable to prove that your theory is wrong, mm-hmm. then maybe you're onto something.
1: Yeah. And unfortunately,
2: okay. that's not what we've seen in yeah. this particular issue.
1: If the studies of the benefits of estrogen. And if you don't believe the results of that study, that might require you to change your mind god forbid mm-hmm. you know um, what are you going to do you're going to say oh take your silly study away with you i don't believe in it anyway yes. well that's not how we should ideally operate
0: yes yeah, so one scientific literacy point that I, that i have made in the past and i think this this conversation reinforces is that if when you look upon the work that supports your point when you when you when there are differing perspectives in the literature And Mm -hmm. your perspective is basically the same author publishing and republishing and publishing and republishing. If it's all from the same group, these people Mm -hmm. are not willing to let go of their theory. And that's what's going on. They're just trying to spin whatever research they can do to support their point. And so that's just to me, that's a red flag. When I look at uh, something where there's a competing position, if it's the same person publishing over and over Mm -hmm. again, the same group, the same authors, Mm -hmm. all that then. So that's something to look for. And that's what's happening here. That's true, just although keep in mind well, that
1: even the leading investigators of the Women's Health Initiative who have much invested in their scare stories, uh-huh. you know, they are walking them back. They're walking yeah. back some of their own data. It's yeah. One of the investigators said in an interview, maybe we, no, wait, she didn't do it in the active tense. Maybe the results were, were, uh, published were a little too frightening to begin with maybe it could have been different it could have been different you were the one who did it you know yeah. so mistakes were made but
0: not by forward. me
1: yes they were
0: <laughs> not by them exactly mm-hmm.
1: but that's a that's a really um good point you make about uh, in effect we call this in science the confirmation bias we only mm-hmm. believe or look for evidence that confirms our beliefs mm-hmm. and avram who is a fantastic researcher, was really at pains to look at the whole body of evidence, the pros and cons mm-hmm. about estrogen, not just the pros. This is not cherry picking. Mm-hmm. And that's why it was really interesting to me to see, as he just described in, in all of the studies that show the benefits of estrogen, let's say for women uh, who have had breast cancer. And then then one huge one seems to be disconfirming it. And what Avram would do in every example was look even more closely at the studies that don't support what we think, yeah. to see if we should change our mind.
0: Mm-hmm. Could
1: we be wrong? Horrors! Could we be wrong? Yeah. And what he have so often found was that the the investigators were really twisting their data in ways to yes. make them come out to confirm their belief that
2: estrogen's bad. Yeah. And as you are aware, Chana, the book is heavily referenced Mm -hmm. so that it's not written so that you should just take what we say at face value. And if you bring it to a physician, tell the physician, well, why don't you read this particular chapter, and then give me your opinion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the book has been endorsed by Leslie Turnberg, who was the President of the Royal Council of Physicians in England by Vince DeVita, who was the chairman of the National Cancer Institute in the United States, mm-hmm. uh, by Jerry Casera, who was the editor-in-chief of the New England Journal of Medicine. Uh, it's, it's read and appreciated by people who discriminate very carefully before they formulate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And our goal now is to get women to know these data so that they could discuss it with their physician Yes. And not simply be turned away by a physician who may not be as well informed as he or she should be.
0: Yes, um, and I would
1: add for I would add for women who are concerned about, you know, isn't this just a gimmick of big pharma again? And isn't there something unfeminist about taking mm-hmm. hormones? And isn't that a what is? The bottom line for me as a social scientist and a feminist is what is best for women's health? What is best for women's health? There was a time in my own life when I would have said, "You don't take a pill if you don't need to take a pill. I am, if I were going through menopause now, even without symptoms, I would seriously consider the benefits for me in long term life, Mm -hmm. um, long after menopause. Mm -hmm. Um, That's how persuaded i've been by the evidence and if we if we make the question what's best for women and um, that's where we want to go as Barbara barbara sherwin who does this wonderful research on um, the benefits of estrogen on the brain on thinking mm-hmm. on cognition mm-hmm. and she said people say to her women say to her but it's not natural to take hormones and she yes. said what's not natural is living 40 years after menopause and suffering all mm-hmm. of the damn things we suffer in our later years Mm -hmm. if I can get women to be healthier longer that's my goal and it's our goal too yeah
2: and it's worth stating that Carol and I are not supported in any way by anybody certainly not by pharmacy but not by any organization Mm -hmm. we wrote this book because we thought it should be written
0: yeah well, thank you very much for doing so. Any last um, any any last parting bits of advice for women that you know, women like me who are going to be approaching mm-hmm. this decision, um, or I guess there's two boats. There's women who haven't reached the decision, um, last, and then women who are already postmenopausal. I think there's probably a lot of women like, should I start it late? You know, um, I know these are all very co- mm-hmm. complex, but I know we talked earlier before the show about how you can't give specific advice, but how to approach it and think about it. Well,
2: two things are the more you know, the less you fear. Clearly you are dedicated to that and we share that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. The other is uh, anything we write shouldn't be taken at face value. Take nobody's word for anything and that includes us, but take this information and discuss it with your physician Mm -hmm. and your advisors and work out something that works for you.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Many, Many, we hear from many women. And by the way, you can reach Avram um, through the book's website, uh, estrogenmatters.com, mm-hmm. uh, with any comments or questions and so forth. The website has updates of research as it's been coming in since oh, the great. book was published. Um,
2: so, is- so, one thing side. we
1: hear from women often is that they talk to their doctors who still believe the early findings from the Women's Health Initiative. Yes. And it's very hard to say to your doctor, I got a book here, Yes, <laughs> could you please look at this? And some women have changed doctors because they say their doctors are simply too adamantly opposed to estrogen. Yeah. Well, those doctors, we hate to say it, but they're not up to date. They're just yeah. not up to date. Yeah.
0: yeah, I mean, I find it hard to stay up to date on a single field, let alone on all of medicine. I, it, I mean, I don't. it's hard to blame a physicians for not mm-hmm. being up to date on every single yeah. medication
2: it's worth no
0: you're absolutely
1: right the north american menopause society um, has issued a statement endorsed by 31 menopause societies around the world that what doctors are now sort of saying and kind of walking back from estrogen will kill you is we'll take it for the shortest the the Mm. smallest dose for the shortest time Well, you know, that's, that's, if you think about it, that's a preposterous compromise. Just have a little asbestos, you know, (laughs) don't inhale it for years, just a few teaspoons every day. I mean, you know, no, if it's deadly, don't have any of it. And if it's not deadly, then how long should you take it? And what the North American Menopause Society has concluded is there is no evidence that a woman cannot take estrogen therapy for as many years after menopause as will benefit her. Mm -hmm. And that's a huge revelation from them. And I think an important guideline for many women.
2: Yeah. Getting back to the osteoporosis point. Yeah. uh, There was a movie in the 1930s before even I was born uh, starring Mm -hmm. Ronald Coleman that was called Shangri-La. And Ronald Coleman fell in love in the Uh, Himalayas with this beautiful young woman who was really 300 years old, but because this was a (laughs) magical kingdom, uh, he loved her. And he finally convinced her to leave. And she said, I can't leave the magical kingdom. But she came away. And as she walked out of the kingdom, she turned to dust because she was 300 years old. (laughs) And it turns out that the benefit of estrogen on bones lasts as long as you take it. And as soon as you stop, your bones start to age at an accelerated pace so that about six years after you stop, it's as if you never took it. And so the question is, well, how long should a woman take hormone replacement therapy? And amplifying on what Carol said, take it under guidance of a physician. But we don't tell women they should take thyroid hormones for a limited period of time nor should we put an absolute limit on the period of time that they take hormone replacement therapy
1: i mean women's risk factors for heart disease and osteoporosis will vary and that's why indeed it is a decision to be made with doctors because osteoporosis is a killer i think people don't appreciate that well so what if i break my hip so what because the death rate after hip fracture is very high in the year following so you know these aren't Trivial concerns.
0: Yeah. Well, we're out of time here, but this has been really a fascinating conversation and one that I'm really excited to share with more women. And so I really thank you for writing this book and for taking the time to discuss it today.
1: Thank you for inviting us, John. Okay.
0: Take care.